What is going on, everybody? Thank you so much for tuning in. This is your Tuesday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. My name is Joe Orico, and I am your host. You guys can hit me up over on Twitter at JoeOrico99. Links to my shows, links to my articles, all of my threads. You can guys can even at me, send me questions, whatever. All of that over on Twitter at JoeOrico99. So go ahead, hit the follow button there. If you've enjoyed the podcast from what you've heard so far, assuming you are a returning viewer, I'd really appreciate you guys hitting the five-star button on the pod. It really helps us to move up in search results. If you're new to the show, we hope to convince you here today that we are worthy of your five or even a four-star review. So we're going to look back on some of yesterday's top performers. We will look ahead to some of today's matchups that are interesting me. We'll talk about some of the hot ads and drops on the waiver wire, and we'll see what other little rabbit holes we go down to. So why don't we start off with Max Scherzer. Max Scherzer was really, really on point yesterday. I watched most of this game. I watched all of his pitches that he threw. Seven innings, nine strikeouts, one earned run. He gave up three hits. He was unreal. He was just, he's been fantastic in these two starts back from the IL. There's always a little bit of worry with Scherzer. I mean, not maybe not always, but there has been for me these last couple of years thinking that there's going to be some kind of fall off. And I've been expecting it with Justin Verlander too. We haven't really seen it. These two guys seem to be able to withstand the test of time longer than most do. I commend them. They're both first ballot Hall of Famers. The fact that they were teammates for a lot of years is really incredible, too. Tigers fans were – they had a treat there in Detroit for a while. It's a shame that team never won. But they had Scherzer. They had Verlander. Annabelle Sanchez, uh, Rick Porcello, who went on to be a Cy Young winner as well. They had a, they had a really great squad. And, I mean, don't, don't mean to get Tigers fans in their fields here. Let's just talk about Scherzer. So – 93 pitches over seven innings. You figure he probably could have kept going given uh, if it was a different time of year for him, maybe if he hadn't just come off the injured list. They would have pushed him a little bit longer, maybe given him an eighth inning. But he didn't really need it. He still got the victory here. 13 innings since coming off the injured list. He's given up five hits, one earned run, struck out 20, and hit one batter. One mistake to Austin Riley. That was all it really took yesterday. And, I mean, all it really took, it was still fine. It was just the one the one small blemish on his record was Austin Riley dinging the ball to left field. Austin Riley was a huge, huge snub of the All-Star game. I'm sure he'll be put in here. But there's a couple of egregious snubs, and we'll talk about that maybe at some point as well. Uh, Austin Riley should definitely be in the All-Star game, though. Let's move on here to Miles Michaelis. He continues to impress. Uh, you know, we've been expecting him to fall off a cliff for quite some time now this season. I was not expecting this whatsoever. No one really was. Last year was a 4.23 ERA. He only threw 44 innings, but this year we've seen a 2.62 ERA, a sub one WHIP. It's at 0.98. Strikeouts haven't been crazy high, but I mean, 88 strikeouts in 113 innings. It's not terrible. It's not like Zach Grinky. It's still fine. Uh, strikeouts per nine is just a tick under seven, so it's a, it's not great. But I mean, everything else he's been able to give you, you can't really complain with the product that Michaelis has been able to put out there. I can't remember now if he was named as an all-star. I don't think that he was. Uh, I think that there's a good chance that he will be an all-star. Uh, and I'm going to quickly take a look at the all-star game. Um, who, who was voted in? Because I, I looked at it the first day, and I'm not really sure. Uh, I have a great memory of who exactly was on the list. But I don't remember seeing uh, Miles Michaelis there. I think that he will be someone who is added as an injury replacement as you know we see players back out and Different things will happen. But, yeah, no Miles Michaelis. From St. Louis, they have Ryan Helsley, and that is their only pitching all-star. So a bit of a surprise. Uh, you figure he would have been rewarded for this type of season, and I think that he probably will be. We'll see uh, who's going to be replaced from the game. I don't know off the top here that there's too many guys who they're going to need to be replaced, but it always happens. There's always a couple of guys 
Uh, I like for Michaelis to be plugged in there, and you know we've expected him to kind of fall off here. It hasn't happened yet. There's been really not any bad starts recently. He had one tough one earlier in the year against Milwaukee, and that's pretty much it. I mean, the one game of six earned runs. Other than that, there was one game with four earned runs right after it against Chicago. He's been stellar. He's been truly stellar. It's been a massive surprise for his fantasy managers, for Cardinals fans. He's been great, and I don't really see any reason why it can't continue. He's done it now for, what are we through, 18 starts? Yeah, I I don't know why he couldn't do it for another 12, 13 starts in the second half. Obviously, it's really anybody's guess because this is still a bit of an outlier, but I'd be very happy to continue to roster him. You don't need to be trying to sell him because you think the wheels are going to fall off. As far as I see it, I think that he's fairly sustainable in what he's been doing. So all systems go with Michaelis. Just hold and enjoy the ride. Don't expect him to be a drop at any point in this season. He's been fantastic. Andy Diaz. So I talked about him a little bit in the article that I wrote over the weekend. I really like Andy Diaz. The only problem is that he doesn't really contribute in the periphery categories. So yesterday he was three for three. And yesterday is a bit of an outlier here. Uh, He had a single, two doubles. He scored three times. He drove in three runs. If he can do that kind of stuff, fantastic. It's just the fact that he doesn't really do a lot of other stuff. I mean, he's batting 307 for the year. That's fantastic. He scored 39 runs for the season. That's not terrible. But he has three home runs, one stolen base, 23 RBIs. It's just not enough all over the place that you can really justify it in a category league. For me, I think he's a really great points league ad. And even right now in a category league, if you want to just ride the hot wave he's been on, I have no problem with that. I'm just saying that he will eventually fall off. This is not, we know him as a good hitter. Last year, he was a 265 hitter with a few more bombs. If he can get the bombs up and keep the average reasonably high, then maybe he'll have some value in your standard uh, 12-team leagues. I'm talking category leagues now. I think in points leagues, he's already going to be an ad because you know it doesn't really matter if you're getting those stolen bases and home runs as much. It still helps, but as long as you're getting hits in a points league, that's totally fine. Uh, he hasn't been walking as much recently, but he's a decent walk guy. Uh, He's actually gone four games without walking, but we have seen him have a lot of multi-hit games over the last week or two. Uh, He's 12 for his last 20 and 25 for his last 49. Over the last two weeks, he's batting over 500. But just like I said, no homers, no steals. Makes it a little bit tricky, but at the same time, uh, like I said, points league, absolute must-add. Category league, I'm in favor of a short-term add, assuming you have a streaming spot in your lineup. Don't go dropping anybody too dramatic, but I think if you do have a streaming spot, Yandy Diaz is a fantastic addition. Uh, a couple more guys we'll talk about here. So Luis Guillorme is another guy who is kind of similar to Yandy Diaz in that he hits for a very high average, doesn't really do too much else. He went two for three last night. He hit a home run, drove in a couple. He also walked. I really like him as a contact guy. I think he's a, you know, he's a solid baseball player. I just don't think it translates well into a fantasy-relevant kind of guy. Uh, so far this season, it's 178 at-bats, 24 runs, it's whatever, Two homers, nine RBIs, one steal. He's batting 309, so he's got that going for him. But I don't really think that there is any kind of move to be made here. Category, points league, whatever it is, I just don't think he brings enough to the table. Where with Diaz, I'm a little more confident he's a leadoff hitter. Uh, I'm just not quite there with Guillaume. If you have him as like a back-end guy in a very deep league, just to give you a little bit of a boost in your batting average, can't really can't really justify it outside of very, very deep leagues. Pretty much the same thing as Diaz, except I, I like Diaz a little bit more than Guillaume. But it's still nice to see him hit a home run here. He's only hit a couple this year. He only had one last year. 
Obviously not what he's known for, but still kind of cool when a guy who's not known for hitting home runs hits home runs. Uh, Rymel Tapia the other day in Seattle hit a bomb to the opposite field, and it's just like, what the hell is that? You know, you don't expect that from from a guy like Tapia. Whenever that happens, I'm always in favor of guys who are not big power guys hitting home runs. Luis Arise earlier in the year against Garrett Cole. Still think there may have been some funny business with the balls, but we don't really know. I don't think we'll ever really know. Anyway, it's just kind of fun to see those littler slash, well, Guillaume's not really little, but guys who don't hit home runs hit home runs anyway. I think that's a lot of fun. Uh, let's move on here to a couple of pitchers. So Shamanaya, he had a bit of a risk it for the biscuit last night. Coors start to start off your week. A lot of people, like, well, a good few people messaged me saying, should I start Manaya at Coors tonight? And I was leaning yes a lot of the time because, you know, it's still, Coors isn't the, like, you know, an automatic sit. You don't sit everybody at Coors. There's obviously a line there. If you have Shane McClanahan going into Coors, you're not going to be sitting him. If you have Scherzer or whoever going into Coors, you're not going to be sitting him. And while he's not as elite as those guys, Manaya still falls to me in that category of you're starting him unless there's something really blatant in the matchup that you don't like, or there's some other factors. You know, he's been hit around by, by Rockies hitters or what have you. It wasn't really the case. Manaya is still a strong guy, uh, strikeout pitcher. Yes, absolutely. He hasn't been so much recently. Uh, these last couple of games, five, three, and seven strikeouts. It's not really what you'd expect. Earlier in the year, we were seeing a lot more six, sevens, eights. He even got up to 12 at one point against the Braves in May. Last night, six and a third, five hits, two earned runs, one walk, five strikeouts, only 91 pitches. He did get the victory. His ERA for the year is very unimpressive, 4.09. Maybe I'm being a little too harsh. It's not the greatest. Uh, he's had a tough month over the last month. The ERA is at 5.61. He's obviously had a couple of tough outings, specifically against Seattle there. Very rough outing uh, against the Cubbies earlier in June. Rough outing. But Manaya is still someone I have a lot of faith in in the second half. Uh, no need to be trying to sell him here. I understand it if you want to try and bank this last start, perhaps. Uh, you know, it's a Coors start. He did very well. I, I wouldn't be so opposed to it, but I don't think it's necessary. I think that he is someone who can still have a lot of value uh, in the second half. And I was listening to some other podcasts. I can't. I listened to a lot of podcasts. I can't remember which one it was, but someone was saying that the Padres are going to be possibly exploring trade options with their pitching staff in the second half. Uh, maybe it was leading off. Maybe it was Welsh and Joe Pisapia were talking about Blake Snell perhaps being someone that they trade. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what's going to happen out in San Diego, but that's a situation to monitor for sure as we head into the deadline. Mackenzie Gore has not exactly covered himself in glory recently, so I think they're going to probably try and preserve as much pitching depth as possible. I don't see Manaya going anywhere personally, but I think it's something to, that we should keep an eye on. I mean, he's just got there recently, so I don't, I don't expect it, but uh, you, ne you never really know in this sport. Merrill Kelly is the next guy we'll talk about here. Strong outing from Merrill Kelly against San Francisco. I was more in favor of sitting him down yesterday, to be honest with you. Uh, I like Merrill Kelly. I like him as a streamer a lot of the time. I'm not a big fan of starting fringy guys earlier in the week, and it might be unfair to call him a fringy guy with a 3.36 ERA, but nonetheless, I don't have so, so much confidence in him. So the line was seven innings, five hits, two earned runs. He walked two and struck out four. 101 pitches over seven innings. He got the victory. I like me some Merrill Kelly. I have him on a couple of teams. I've used him as a streamer this year uh, a number of times. I just don't have a ton of faith. Now, is it the lower strikeout numbers? I don't know. I don't know exactly what it is with him. Maybe part of it's the fact that he pitches with it for Arizona. But, you know, what we saw earlier in the year was kind of a pitching renaissance from Arizona. and We've seen it kind of maybe fall off a little bit here. Uh, they were supporting. Bumgarner was great at the beginning of the year. Uh, you know, Kelly was 
really solid for the first, uh, I don't know, m- month plus. He was really good. And he'd fallen off a little bit here. Uh, we've seen it with Zach Gallen, who's been good, but he hasn't been quite as good recently. So we saw a bit of a fall off in their pitching as a whole. It leads me to be a little bit skeptical moving forward about how much value we can really get out of Merrill Kelly. I still like him. I still like him as a streamer. I was off a little bit here against San Francisco. I just, I think he's better left for streaming against poor opponents. San Francisco's kind of middle of the pack offensive-wise, uh, so it, it was kind of a toss-up here. They're, you know, like I said, middle of the package. They're fourth in runs, but they're 23 in hits, uh, 23rd in batting average, but ninth in on-base percentage. So they're kind of a hard team to classify offensively. For me, uh, I'll I'll take that L. I'm fine with having Sad Kelly yesterday. It's just early in the week. I, I'm I'd rather start the guys who are my early round draft picks, my solidified top of the rotation kind of guys, and then worry about streaming slash fringier guys later in the week. That tends to be how I do it. There are obviously tons of different philosophies that that just to be on the safer side. I would have probably sat him. I tend to take the safer route in fantasy. I don't usually take a lot of risks. Sometimes it helps me, sometimes it hurts me, and there are tons of different schools of thought on this. But for me, uh, I'd rather take this. A few more guys that I want to talk about here, not necessarily just top performers, but just a couple more names I want to get through. A couple of them had good games yesterday, but let's start with Trevor Rogers. So he started rough. He ended off not quite as bad. The final line was five and a third, uh, six hits, three walks, two earned runs. Now, that's... The better side of this, I mean, the three walks, not great. Six hits, not the greatest. This was against a Pirates team that was without their two best bats. They were without Brian Reynolds, and they were without O'Neill Cruz. The fact that he was facing a bottom three offense, and this was as best he could do, is a, is a little concerning. You know, you could argue that was probably, like, the worst offense he's going to face. Uh, I don't know if they have any Oakland matchups later this year. I don't think they do. It's... This is, a, this is as easy as a test as it was going to be for Trevor Rogers, And I'm not going to say he blew it, but it's just, it's just enough already. He's just been so poor. He's been a complete killer to your ratios that I, I don't really see much need in rostering him. Now, if you're a team that's like way ahead of the pack and you have the luxury of being able to stash him, uh, maybe you just put him on your bench for a while and hope that at some point he figures it out. If you're, like, desperately clawing, hoping for a playoff spot, I talk more about that because I'm not such a big Roto guy. I prefer to have a head-to-head format where you're fighting for the playoffs. Every week is, like, a little bit of a playoff. If you are playing head-to-head, if you are, you know, 6th or 7th or 8th out of 12 and you're trying to fight and get one of those last couple playoff spots, I don't know that you can really afford to hold on to Rodgers. If you are, like I said, one of those elite teams in your league, the top two spots, and you can just put them on the bench and hope for the best for a while, then sure, if you want. I don't see miracles incoming here. He's been a total killer to your whip and ERA. We haven't seen the strikeouts from last year. The Marlins never give him any run support as to the fact that he could actually maybe pull out a win here and there. Only four victories this season. Only seven last year when he was actually great. Only seven victories in 133 innings. Now he's had four and 78 innings this year. It's roughly the same victory pace with poorer numbers. It's The Marlins are not a good team to own pitchers on, starters or relievers, Sandy Alcantara being the main exception there. 
Uh, he's just been so good. And even last year we saw Alcantara was a little bit hampered by the Marlins. He only won, uh, what was it? Let me see. He won nine games last year in more than 200 innings with a 3.19 ERA. It sucks. Uh, it sucks to own Marlins pitching, especially when they have been as poor as Trevor Rogers. I'd be more than happy to move on in a redraft league. Uh, you know, Dynasty, you're going to be still holding on for a while. But I'm cutting bait this year. You know, I, I said it a while back. I tweeted it out maybe like a month plus ago that I was ready for a drop of Trevor Rogers, And now I'm very ready, especially in a 12-team league. You have better options out there. Stream the spot in. Rodgers is no bueno. Absolutely no bueno to this point. I don't see much coming in terms of a big turnaround. Let's talk a little Nolan Jones. So he's come up, and he's been, you know, actually as good as you could possibly hope for. Uh, for a Guardians fan or for a fantasy manager who may have added him. In his first 13 at-bats, he has seven hits. Uh, he has a home run. He's driven in eight. He's scored three times. Now, can we expect him to continue to bat 538? No. There's, there's no chance. We all know this. He's not going to do it. I'm sorry to burst the bubble. He's just not going to do it. He was a 275 hitter in the minors with decent power numbers, usually in between like 15 and 20-ish home runs. I think he's a solid add if you're in a 15-team league, but I think there's better options in a 12-team league. And I was talking about someone on Twitter, or talking with someone on Twitter about this last night. If you can get Wilmer Flores, if you can get Hunter Dozier, Josh Donaldson, Juan Yepes, Christopher Morel, those guys are all eligible at third base. Uh, Morel only on Yahoo is eligible at third base. But if you can get those guys, I would much prefer them long-term over Nolan Jones. This is a hot streak. Yes, he's looked fantastic. But at the same time, look at the minors numbers. Use common sense and say, okay, he's not going to hit 538. He's just not. 32% of teams now roster him on Yahoo. It's, I, say it, I feel like I'm saying it every day. We have knee-jerk reactions in the fantasy world, and it's a little too extreme sometimes. I'm not sure who exactly was being dropped for him a lot of the time, but 32% of leagues is a lot. That's, that's a lot, man. A third of all teams... And I think that number encompasses, you know, 8, 10, 12, 15, all those, all those numbers of leagues. A third of them thought that he's, he's an ad? Like, it just feels a lot. You know, we've had a couple, four games from the guy. We're, we're, jumping, we're jumping here a little bit. A little bit too early, I would say. Yes, he's looked good, but let's keep our expectations in check. Don't go dropping any established. Don't go dropping like a Jake Cronenworth. I know Cronenworth had a good game yesterday after struggling a bit. Don't go dropping, like, I don't know, Raddy Telez even. There's a lot of guys. There's a long list of guys I'd rather have over Nolan Jones rest of the season. So just be very cautious if you are going to drop him. Uh, Vinny P, he hit his second home run yesterday in the bigs, Mr. Pasquantino. He went four for seven in the doubleheader. They played a couple of games. Now, redraft managers have soured on Vinny P. He's gone down to like 20. He's less rostered than Nolan Jones is, for Christ's sake. I mean, uh, he's at 24%. We're talking about a top prospect here. He's had some rough numbers, no doubt, but at the same time, he's walking more than he's striking out. His BABIP is 152. It was 152 entering yesterday. Uh, if you have patience with him, if you just hold on, wait for him to correct a few things, you will be rewarded by Vinny P. No question, he just needs a little bit more time to get comfortable in the big leagues. We've seen him hit a couple of home runs. I actually didn't see the footage of yesterday's home run. There was a lot going on with me yesterday. I didn't actually see it, but it's very nice to see him actually getting the ball out of the ballpark. We haven't a lot of success from him 
10 for 47 is not what you'd want. But like I said, he's walking more than he's striking out. He is a top prospect. If you guys just have some patience, don't give up just yet. He will be rewarded by Vinny. I'm very sure of that. Hold out a little bit longer. Brandon Nimmo. We'll talk about Brandon Nimmo a little bit. He's still undervalued. He leads off for a top five lineup. He's batting just about 270. He has as many home runs as he did last year. Granted, he didn't play the whole season last year. Uh, he's a great little piece of outfield depth if you need to add someone in there. If you're in a five outfielder format, he is absolutely a must-have guy. Even in a three, I think that you can squeeze Brandon Nimmo in there and still be getting a lot of value out of the spot. He is currently the 156th ranked player on the season. If you're talking about a standard 12-man league, that is a 13th round pick. That is someone who should be rostered in a lot more than 56% of leagues. It's gone up 7% since last week, but I still think Nimmo is undervalued. He should be someone that you guys are adding. Last guy we'll talk about for yesterday until we move on to today in the waiver wire. So Lance Lynn. Lance Lynn, another stinker. Eight earned runs yesterday. ERA up to 6.97, whip at 1.52. He's not a drop. He is not a drop. Uh, the XFIP still looks pretty good. Some of the advanced numbers are still all right. Uh, he's definitely been concerning, no question. He's someone that you need to be putting on your bench for the time being until he gets his shit together. But you can't be dropping him. He's too valuable of an arm. We've seen it over the last few years. He could really be a, I mean, league winners kind of thrown around too much recently. Uh, well, not recently, always. It's a little bit too overly used. But if Lynn figures himself out down the stretch, he can be a guy who really helps you uh, to win your fantasy championship. So, no, you're not dropping him yet. A little sneak peek. Later today, I'll be talking with Ryan Bloomfield. Uh, I've mentioned it yesterday. That'll be part of tomorrow's show. And we're going to be talking about some second-half guys we expect to turn around, and Lance Lynn will be among those names. I expect a lot better going forward from Lance Lynn. This is not who he is. 7 ERA. There's very few guys who are that bad uh, to pitch to a 7 ERA. Lance Lynn is certainly not one of them. I know some people dropped him today, and we'll get to him in the drop section, but don't, don't panic too much here about uh, Lance Lynn. Why don't we take that time to move into our ads and drops for today? So the most added player, numero uno, Matt Carpenter. I added Matt Carpenter yesterday in my home league, and then I saw that Taylor Ward got dropped. So I made a switcheroo. I actually dropped Matt Carpenter before he even got a chance to play a game for me. And I picked up Taylor Ward. I think rest of season, I have a little bit more faith in Taylor Ward. So I made that swap. I'm not sure why the manager who owned uh, Taylor Ward dropped him. He's still borderline top 100 for the season. It's been a rough go of it the last couple of weeks. Yes, he's cooled off considerably from where he was. But he's still batting almost 300 for the year. He's been a good source of home runs, and he's still leading off slash middle of that order there for the Angels, who, for all their faults, they still have Mike Trout and Shohei Otani. So I, I thought it was a little premature. I dropped Matt Carpenter. As for Matt himself, he's up to 33% rostered after being like below 10% for quite some time. I think people are starting to say, okay, shit, we need to actually like get on this. He's batting 344 for the year. He's only 64 at-bats, but still. that's We're starting to get to the point where it's like, okay, he's just gelling with this team. He likes batting in that ballpark, although he's done very well on the road recently. A couple of home runs at Fenway over the weekend. He's just gelling with this team. Whatever it is, this has been very positive for him to go to the Yankees. At first, I thought it was kind of like, this is, this is looking like a joke. You know, He's got this big mustache. He looks like Mario, for Christ's sakes. And he's gone out there, and he's been like as good as you could have possibly hoped for. Uh, I've said it a few times, Daily Changes League, he is elite. First and second base eligibility. 
that second base designation is really nice. You stick them in there against right-handed pitching at Yankee Stadium, at some of these hitter-friendly parks in the AL East, and even outside the AL East, right? You just start him in advantageous matchups. And in a, in a weekly changes league, you're going to have some days off, some left-handed pitchers against. It's not going to be as nice. But if you can change the lineups every single day, plug him in there when you need him. There's few players who I like as much as Matt Carpenter. Nolan Jones is the next guy being added quite a bit. We'll talk about him just for a second, but I, we, we went over what I wanted to go over. He's going to cool off. No question, he's not going to hit 538. No one's ever hit 538. Nolan Jones is certainly not going to be the first to do it. You guys aren't stupid. You guys know this. I understand wanting to get a little bit of a boost going into the second half. You know, you, you need little charges in your lineup here and there uh, to help replace injured guys and whatnot, you know. Losing Jordan Alvarez has been a killer for me in a couple of leagues. It will definitely put me down in some standings. You need replacements for guys like that. I wouldn't be going after Nolan Jones. I think that there are better options out there. I think that this is a short-term kind of thing. With Let's move on to Chris Flexen now. A lot of people have been adding him today for the start. He's getting the Nationals at 7 p.m. Eastern. He's coming off a very good start against San Diego, six and two-thirds. He struck out eight, which... For, for Flex and eight strikeouts, might as well be like a Kerry Wood 20 strikeout game. The guy just doesn't whiff. Last season, 125 strikeouts in 180 innings. It's just not what he does. And this season, he hasn't really given you those strong ERA and whip numbers like we got from him last year. Not a strong whip at 125, but strong ERA at 361 for sure uh, from someone who's more likely than not like a waiver wire guy. I can't remember last season's uh, ADP, but I don't remember him being drafted quite high. Same thing kind of this year, except slightly worse across the board. Slightly worse whip, slightly worse ERA. The strikeouts are not there. I don't know that you need to be using an early week stream on a guy like this. I think that there are probably better options out there if you're going to wait uh, going later in the week. And even another guy who I'll mention in a second here, who's owned in a lot more cases, but someone who I'd definitely uh, still prefer. And that's Josiah Gray. Now, he's 60% rostered as opposed to Flexen's 30. If you can go out there and still find Josiah Gray, he gets Seattle tonight. He's been really strong recently. He had a bit of a tough one against Miami, but other than that, he's had a great month and a half or so. He's really, really coming into his own this year. We've seen the strikeout numbers these last few times out, 11, 6, and 9. That's fantastic. Hopefully we can see that continue here. Seattle has really been solid recently. There's no other way to put it. They've been really good. They swept the Blue Jays. They were hot going into that series. They're hot coming out of it. I think Josiah Gray is still someone that you're going to be starting in a lot of cases tonight, though. I like him I like him as much as I like maybe not any pitching uh, young pitcher, but I, I love Josiah Gray. I'm all in for him here against Seattle. If you have an option between him and Chris Flexen, I would go Josiah Gray, and I wouldn't really even think about it. Mitch White is the next guy we will talk about, and of course those two are going up against each other tonight, so it is kind of tricky to really pick who will have the better outing sometimes. You really think you know what's going to happen. Last night, Michaelis and Aranola, and Michaelis has the better start. So it can be a little bit of a crapshoot, but for my money, I'm taking uh, Josiah Gray. Let's talk for a sec about Mitch White. He gets St. Louis tonight, and he's been pretty all right this year. You know, he's striking out about a batter per inning, good ERA, good whip. I like him fine. Uh, St. Louis has been struggling offensively. We all know this recently. They've been bad. They've been really bad. But at the same time, Mitch White is not someone I have a ton of faith in. Early in the week, I just don't like streams early in the week. If there's a couple of specific two-star guys you want to aim for, then sure. But 
as a whole, I'm not I'm not massive about Monday and Tuesday streams, especially when the matchup is a little bit suspect here. St. Louis is a, you know, I know they've been struggling, but they're still a team that has a lot of power, a lot of good batting average guys. Didn't really see that. Uh, I forget if it was yesterday or the day before. They put out a lineup that was like half the lineup was batting under 200 kind of thing. Kind of ugly. They're obviously a lot better than that. For me, uh, I think White is kind of a coin toss. If you want to grab him here, then go ahead. But I'd probably advise you just wait on your streams for a little bit later in the week. He's good, but I don't know if he's if he's this good that we that we need to be adding him here. Uh, Jordan Lyles, he gets the Cubs, and you know he's actually surprisingly had some value this year. Jordan Lyles, uh, these Baltimore pitchers, they've done a really good job this year. I'll give credit where credit is due. There's been some tough outings, no question. He's had some bad ones. But as a whole, the Baltimore pitching staff has been a lot better than we could have expected, specifically in the rotation. Uh, they've just been, you know, we've expected just bullshit. We expected them to be 30, 29, 28 in their rankings. They've given up the 12th fewest homers. They've allowed the 16th fewest runs, 16th best ERA. There are some categories where they're not so great. They're 23rd in hits allowed, 25th in batting average. But that's still, for Baltimore, they're in the toughest division in baseball. They're the worst team in that division. And yet, they're still like a couple of games within all these teams. Obviously, the Yankees are far and away ahead, but they're only four games back of the second-place Red Sox. That's absurd. They're two games back of a wild-card spot. We're talking about a team that has pretty much no star power, depending on how you want to classify Cedric Mullins. They obviously have Adley Rutschman, who's going to be a star, but he's not yet. Mountcastle and Hayes have been good. It's the pitching. It's really the pitching for what it comes down to. They have a lot of borderline elite bullpen arms. Jorge Lopez, uh, Batista we've seen this year, uh, a couple other guys. I'm not so versed in their team. Uh, Dylan Tate is another one. They've been just exceptional uh, from their rotation and their, and their pen. It's not at all what we expected. Jordan Lyles over the last couple of starts has been very good. Los Angeles and Minnesota, he's kept them both to just a run. I, I like him all right here against the Cubs. The Cubs are a fairly poor team. Like you just heard me get through saying, I'm not big about using ads early in the week. That's another kind of coin toss for me here. The Cubs, poor lineup. Lyles done pretty well these last few times out and over the course of the season has been pretty solid. So I'll leave it up to you guys here. I'm fine with it either way. I'm not necessarily advocating for it, but I think you're not going to get hurt too much if you do stream Lyles. We've seen some really good stuff out of him this year and more specifically over these last couple of starts. So uh, it's a coin toss. Really, it's a coin toss for me. Uh, Aaron Hicks has also been added quite a bit. I wrote about him on the weekend. I've tweeted about him a lot. Over the last week, he's 8 for 19, 8 runs, 6 ribbies, 3 homers, 2 steals, 421 batting average. Add him while he is hot. There's no need for him to be on waiver wires right now. He's jumped up from like 6% rostered to 25 in the last, I think, Saturday he was 6% rostered. So people are catching on. Hop on board before it's too late. That pretty much covers the ads. Josh Rojas has also been added quite a bit. Uh, he's someone that I've talked about. I really like Rojas. He has second, third, short, and outfield eligibility. He's up to 67% rostered, so you guys should go ahead and add him while you still can. He has some rest-of-season potential there as a, as a five-category contributor, a legitimate lower-end five-category contributor, so you guys should really be thinking about Josh Rojas. Let's talk about some drops now, and then we will send you guys on your way for the day. Well, actually, we're still going to do my pitching matchup of the day. We'll do that at the end. So Brian Bayo, another tough outing here. He gave up five runs over his four innings. 
I'm not really sure that he's going to get another outing here. He'll probably get sent down to make room for Chris Sale. Uh, he might have even been sent down by the time you guys are hearing this. As of the time of recording, he's still on the big league roster. I'm not sure he's going to get another start. Uh, I'd be all right to cut bait here. In redraft, in redraft, uh, I think you're, you're going to be fine to be moving on to the next, uh, the biggest and brightest thing on the waiver wire, which hard to say pitching-wise. Uh, there's not many long-term options really on the waiver wire. It's probably best to use that as a streaming spot if you did pick up Bello or Bayo. I always call him Bello. Uh, that's my Italian upbringing. I like him long-term, but uh, I don't think that this is really going to work out this year, this time around. I'm guessing he'll be sent down to make room for Chris Sale, and that's probably the last we'll hear of him until probably September. So uh, for me, he's he's a pretty clear uh, drop here. If he gets one more start, maybe, maybe, maybe. But I, I doubt it. I doubt they're going to give him one more. Maybe before the All-Star break. Uh, let me just quickly see who they're playing before the All-Star break because I'm not sure. Uh, it's, uh, it's not great. Rays and Yankees. Again, it would be the same opponents that he's already faced and not done a great job against. I'm guessing he doesn't get another start there. That's just my uh, assumption here. It is possible, but I'm thinking Chris Sale will come back. He'll be bumped down. They're not going to put him in the rota- in the bullpen. They'll put him back in the minor leagues, I would imagine. Yeah, pretty pretty safe uh, safe bet to cut him here. Let's move on to Alex Cobb. I feel I feel personally hurt almost by Alex Cobb at this point. It's hard to put it into words. I've been. One of his biggest supporters in the community. I know there's been a lot of people who have been big on Alex Cobb, but I've been one of his absolute staunchest supporters. Every time, it doesn't matter what kind of outing he gives out, I'm pretty much always thinking, yeah, give him the benefit of the doubt. The numbers are are shitful, yes, but it's because the advanced numbers aren't really doing many favors. The BABIP and the left on base and yada, 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 and it's just it's getting hard to defend him. Uh, I, I still really like him, and I'm still holding on for a second-half turnaround. He'll be someone I bring up with Ryan when I talk later today. Well, you guys will hear it tomorrow about who can turn it around in the second half. Who are these guys that we are we are counting on to have bounce backs? He's still one of them. I'm not as confident as I would have been, but the advanced numbers are still pretty good. And I'm not a massive advanced stat guy, but you kind of have to look at them if you're going to give you give serious evaluations of players, you know, I, I'm someone who's been an eye test guy for a long time in the last couple of years, more transitioning into the advanced stats. You have to look at them. If you don't look at them, you're already a few steps behind. And when you do look at them, you're seeing that Cobb has been very unlucky this season. He's made some great improvements with his strikeout numbers and with his ground ball percentage, both of them career highs. It's just been a tough go of it, especially recently here. Uh, well, especially all of it. There's a couple of good starts mixed in there. These last couple of times out against Arizona have been not good. And you figure Arizona is an offense that he should be able to handle. So I'm really disappointed. I'm hard to know what to do with him exactly. I'm holding. He's only 36% rostered. I'm holding and I'm adding if you can. I know it's. I'm going to sound like a freaking nut job, but go and add him. He is due for positive regression. It is going to happen. It will happen. I'm still holding out faith. I'm interested to see what Ryan thinks tomorrow if he thinks I'm a total loon because there's a chance that I'm a total loon on this one. But I still like Alex Cobb. I'd still give him a little bit more time. Fully, absolutely ready to be called crazy by Ryan, by any of you guys. But I'm just not not ready to give up on him yet. 
Mitch Garber has been dropped quite a bit. He's done for the season. Uh, he had uh, flexor tendon surgery in his uh, right forearm. He's obviously a drop. He's done for the year. Lance Lynn, we talked about Lance Lynn. He's been rough, no question. 697 ERA, 152 whip. That's terrible. We're holding on. I'm still holding on to Lance Lynn. I don't think it is time to drop him yet. Still coming back from his injury. I'm not quite there yet. We'll talk about him more tomorrow if you guys want to have a bit of a deeper dive on Lance Lynn. But for me, he's still a hold. Trevor Rogers, yes, we talked about him. He is a drop it like it's hot. Absolutely. Drop him like it's cold is more like it because he has just been like completely shitful. No need to hold on for me. I think you guys can move on to the newest, coolest thing. Uh, Juan Yepes has been dropped quite a bit. Cool, cool, I get it. Uh, he's had a poor couple of weeks here. I still think he can have value. Despite going two for his last 26, he's still batting 255. He's still someone who is capable of hitting in that 270, 280 range with good home run numbers. He can be a solid four-category contributor. I'm not saying he's going to be Jordan Alvarez, but he's definitely still someone who can give you some production. Isaac Paredes has also been dropped, or I guess Isak. I think it's actually pronounced Isak. He's been dropped quite a bit. I was kind of foreseeing this last week, the last couple of weeks, that, yeah, he's not going to keep up this torrid pace of constant home runs. Every at-bat, 100-mile-an-hour shot. It's not going to happen. It hasn't happened recently. I still think you can have him on your team if you want, but, I, I you know, it, the, the honeymoon phase is over. We've seen the hottest stretch that he's going to have this season. Will he hit a couple more home runs? It's it's likely that he'll get maybe five or seven more home runs, but is that worth having a roster spot in a 12-team league just for the home runs, no steals, mediocre average? You tell me. For me, not really worth it, I don't think. Jack Flaherty, yesterday was moved to the 60-day IL. I wrote about him a couple weeks ago, about someone that you guys should be getting rid of because in redraft, there's not any point in holding on to this guy. We've seen the injuries all season long. He's just... It's a massive disappointment from where he was last year in preseason. I really like Flaherty. I think that going forward, he can still be a very valuable asset in this league uh, for the Cardinals and for fantasy managers moving forward. But he's got to be a drop in redraft, uh, no question. Cal Quantrill had himself a little bit of a rough outing. He still got the victory. He gave up four runs in six innings. Uh, I'm not a massive Quantrill guy. Now, I recommended him yesterday as being someone that you can have for two starts this week. And I still think that you might as well hold on for the second one. While you've got him, uh, next start comes against the Tigers. I would just hold on and, and play him for that one personally. A lot of people dropped him here. I kind of understand it, but at the same time, I'd probably just hold on. Mackenzie Gore was dropped by about 1,000 teams. We've seen it over the last couple of days. People started to move on from Mackenzie Gore. For me personally, I'm going to give him a little bit more time. Not, not quite there yet on Mackenzie Gore. He showed us really dominant stuff earlier in the year. I'm, I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt here. The, we can hopefully see the, the Mackenzie Gore we saw in May and June again. Those are the main drops. A couple of other guys, but they are just guys who were streamed in for yesterday's starts. Not really much to talk about. Pretty standard stuff there. Why don't we talk about my matchup of the day? There's not as many great pitching matchups today as we can have tomorrow. Tomorrow, there's like three or four like absolute box office pitching matchups that I'm really going to be interested in. So Bassett and Morton is definitely one I'll be looking at tomorrow. Uh, who's the other one here? We had, There was a couple more. Gonsolin and, and Wainwright tomorrow, absolutely. Even Paul Blackburn and John Gray should be interesting. 
Uh, Christian Javier and Shohei Otani should be really good. There's a lot going on tomorrow in terms of good pitching matchups. Today, it's just not a great day. I mean, you could argue maybe Chris Sale and Corey Kluber is going to be entertaining. It, it could be. I don't have the highest expectations for Sale in his first start back, but it could be an interesting one. Uh, the one that I've chosen to highlight here is David Peterson and Spencer Strider. Both of these guys have been really good. Granted, Peterson has had a couple of rougher outings recently. And I mean, I say rougher, three earned runs. Last one in particular, three earned runs and five walks was a little bit tough. But the strikeout numbers for him, the last four outings, 7, 10, 8, and 7 against Cincy, Texas, and twice against Miami. He's usually been going five, six innings this season. And he's been a big reason why the Mets have had success, 348 ERA. He's done a very good job. More strikeouts than innings pitched, seven home runs. It's pretty solid, pretty low number there. Uh, for 62 innings. If it wasn't for David Peterson and guys like Taewon Walker, uh, the Mets would be absolutely screwed having lost Scherzer and McGill and uh, DeGrom and I think even Carrasco for a little bit earlier in the year. They've they've had a lot of struggles uh, with the rotation, with injuries, but guys like Peterson have been able to keep them afloat. Uh, it's second straight game, I'm, second straight night, I'm highlighting the Mets and the, Brewer, uh, the, and the Braves, excuse me, the Mets and the Braves. But I just think that this is the best matchup out there. It's definitely one that should be you guys should be tuning into. Uh, Spencer Strider on the other side, I think he's going to win the rookie of the year. Obviously, uh, his teammate Michael Harris might have something to say about that. If O'Neill Cruz can really have a hot second half, then maybe he pulls away with it, just off of the popularity alone. But Spencer Strider has become an absolutely dominant strikeout pitcher. He's a guy, pretty much every time he goes out there, you take the over, whatever his strikeouts are. Uh, we've seen the last three times, 12, 11, and 7. And then there was the four-strikeout game against San Francisco where he only lasted three and two-thirds. And before that, 11, 8, and 5, and 7. And he's just fantastic. 102 strikeouts in 65 innings. He gives you those kind of like Dylan Cease, uh, McClanahan vibes. I don't know. I think that he's going to be an elite, elite pitcher in this league. He's really had his stock shoot up this season. I got an MVP bet on him at 14 to 1. Or excuse me, not an MVP bet. A Cy Young. Jesus, I can't speak. A rookie of the year bet. Went through all the awards here. At 14 to 1 uh, about a month ago, very happy with that one. I think he's currently 2.5 or 3 to 1, so I'm going to ride that one out. I wish I put more than 10 bucks on it, but a lot of people were saying that night, I remember, that the line was about to change, uh, get the money here at 14 to 1 before it moves down to like 8 to 1. And I got my 10 bucks in there. Hopefully, we'll see $150 in the bank account at the end of the year. I'm just going to hold off on that one. They want me to cash out, uh, Bet365 does, for 28 bucks or whatever off my 10 bucks there. No, I think I'll hold on. I think there's a decent chance that he'll end the year as the rookie of the year. Guys, that will do it for us. It's been great talking with all of you, as always, here. If you're still listening at this point of the video, you are one of the good ones. You have listened to me talk yet again for 45 minutes. Really appreciate you guys for doing that. I know viewership tends to wane a little bit here as the season goes on. You guys, it was really great during draft season and really good in the first couple months. We're still doing a good job here, but we're definitely not hitting the same numbers we were at the beginning of the year. If you guys are still sticking around, really appreciate you guys. You guys are fantastic. Hit me up on Twitter at JoeOrico99. That's J-O-E-O-R-R-I-C-O-99. Any questions, comments, concerns, of course, you get links to these shows, links to my articles, all the Twitter threads that I pull together. You guys need to be following me over there for all my fantasy content. One more time, at JoeOrico99. If you guys enjoyed what you heard today, if you enjoy in general, what you hear on Fantasy MLB today. I'd really appreciate you guys punching down on the five-star button, even the four-star button. Some kind of positive review would really go a long way. Boost us in search results here. Help us have a strong finish to our to our rookie season. This is my rookie season here doing this. Help us finish strong. Hit the five-star button. We'd really appreciate that. 
like I said, I've uh, I teased it a few times. Ryan Bloomfield will be on the show tomorrow. Good friend of mine. Love Ryan. He does great stuff. He was the first guy who came on the show back in April. Really excited to talk to him. We're going to be talking about second half players we expect to turn around after a bit of a poor start to the year. So make sure you're listening there. We will see you all tomorrow. listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel and i'm rebecca we're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say didn't see that coming and we hate the people responsible for them listen to people are the worst now on apple spotify or wherever you get your podcasts